Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this episode, episode 66, join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Wyatt Teeter, and Mike Ludwig, as we talk about college basketball, the NFL, and our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. So we want to start this episode by giving our thoughts and sympathies to the the Bryant family. Uh, For those who are unaware, um, Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi Bryant, were killed in a tragic helicopter accident in California over the weekend. Um, Um, And I would also like to just say that not only um, are those sympathies going out to um, the who is now survived like who is survived by in that crash like kobe's wife and his three uh three remaining children but also the two um other children of the other family that was also on the flight on the flight as well um was another uh uh family going to this uh youth basketball game it was a a uh, father, a mother, and a daughter who was also on the same team as Kobe's daughter. Um, they were all headed to a basketball game on the north side of L.A. for a traveling team. Um, but that family, uh, the mom, the dad, and the daughter, uh, all passed away in this act- terrible or in tragic accident as well. But they are survived by two remaining children. Um, one of them is a scout with the Boston Red Sox organization. Um, so just for those, uh, everybody involved in the crash that they are able to, um, deal with everything from this moment. Um, and just that everybody continues to remember all the good things that came from all these people and how they impacted the game. Uh, the, the father of the, Um, other person or like the other family in the group uh, he was a longtime baseball coach and most recently was known for coaching Aaron Judge uh, who now everybody knows plays for the New York Yankees but just remembering everything that they did um, for their respected communities so some uh, cool tributes that we've seen over the past couple of days. Uh, UConn actually dedicated a jersey to Gianna she wanted to, to play for UConn when she went to college. So uh, I think earlier today, actually, they they hung a jersey for her. Um, Mark Cuban also said that nobody will ever wear the jersey 24 for the Dallas Mavericks ever again. Trey Young wore a number eight jersey for Kobe's first uh, number that he wore in the NBA uh, in his game yesterday on uh, Sunday against the, uh, I don't remember who they were playing, but for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and as well as yesterday during most on Sunday, I mean, uh, during most of the games, uh, respective teams were taking 24 second shot clock violations to start the game just to pay tribute to uh, his legacy as a basketball player. And as um, he had continued with all of his uh, accolades after basketball, um, being an Academy Award winner um, two years into uh, movie and movie writing. So, uh, also the NBA did push back the uh, Lakers and Clippers game that's set to play uh, on the day this episode airs on Tuesday. So, that is 
a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it is really sad news, and we could keep talking about it, but our job here is to talk about sports, so that's what we're going to continue to do. We will move on with our regularly scheduled programming because that's what people need to hear at these times. And speaking of our regularly scheduled programming, that, of course, is Cyclone men's basketball. I mean, the Cyclones are why we're all here, right? Maybe this team isn't quite as bad as we thought they were. I mean, they're certainly not as bad as that 2017 team. You guys remember that 2017 team, right? The one that <laughs> lost to UW-Milwaukee at uh, home. Yeah, this, this, team, this team's not as bad as that team. They're not good, but they're certainly not awful. Wasn't that the... The 2018 team? The 2017-2018 team. Yeah, because that was, that was Wyatt and I's first year in men's basketball pep band. Yeah. With yeah. Lindell yeah. Wiggington's freshman year. That, yes. was a, that was a rough year. Correct. Yeah. yeah. They're not that bad. Not that bad. But anyway, this last week, um, they beat Oklahoma State at home. And, I mean, Oklahoma State's not good, so it's not a huge accomplishment. In fact, they're really bad. They're 0-6 in the Big 12 now. But um, they, I mean, they won a game. They need to win those home games against bad teams if they want to at least stay relevant. I mean, there's really no chance they make the tournament with the record they have now. What, 9-10 and 10 overall? Yeah. There's no tournament chance for this team. But, I mean, just to be respectable, those are the games you got to win. And they've uh, they've lost a few opportunities to add those signature wins. Um, Michigan and to the, their slate. Michigan and Maui. In, TCU in the Bahamas, not Maui. Whatever, close enough. Some island in the warm waters. Losing to Baylor on the road, Kansas at I mean, home, Auburn yeah, on the road. Yeah, but we were close in those games. The right the Baylor and Kansas games, not close. So I don't consider those missed opportunities because they, you, you weren't ever close. But, like, they had a chance to beat Michigan. They should have beat TCU at TCU. Games like those are the ones that are missed opportunities that they really should have had. But sort of like the football team, they're coming up short. Granted, they're getting blown out a lot more than the football team did. But anyway, back to that Oklahoma State game, the Cyclones had the lead from pretty much start to finish. Um, Oklahoma State was really, I mean, they were in it the whole time, but they never really, uh, they never really got out to any semblance of a lead. Oklahoma State didn't. I don't know if they even ever led, to be honest. They did early. They did lead early. Very early. Never, never at a significant point in the game did they lead. Solomon Young, Won that game for Iowa State. What did he have, 27 points in that game, I think? 27 points. He was 13 of 15 from the free throw line. From the free throw line, he shot phenomenally. He also had, nine I believe rebounds. he had a double-double. He with, only got to nine rebounds. Oh, he only had nine rebounds, but he had Two a couple assists. of and a couple blocks, too, I think. Two blocks, four turnovers. So, he had a career game. Uh, and he's, he's a redshirt junior this year. And one thing that I'd like to uh, make a note of, if you don't, if you haven't run out of all of your Des Moines register, uh, free like views, unlike me, you should go read, uh, the article that Randy Peterson, uh, published about Solomon Young and how he's dealt with adversity this year, losing the starting, uh, position, um, when coach Prom told him that he was going to lose the starting job. 
Uh, he turned to cooking to help him uh, re to help reinvigorate him for this season, and he t- has turned in a couple uh, decent performances since then, coming off the bench. So good for Solomon Young to see a little bit of rejuvenation um, and hope that he can continue that because they really need uh, uh, upperclassmen leadership to get them to a little bit over the hump and get them to win some basketball games and get some good progress going forward for this team at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. We're going to need good big play from him and uh, him and uh, what's his name? Jacobson down the stretch to do it. So, and uh, moving to the other game this week, uh, they played Auburn on the road in the big 12 sec challenge, which I talked about this last, yeah, I think we had a who's pissed off. So we haven't done that segment in a while. Who's pissed off? I guess we've just been more mellow recently. We're maturing. Yeah. We're getting more calm. Right, Kyle? We're maturing. You agree? Mature. <laughs> That's the word that I would describe you, me, and Wyatt as. Definitely. The single word I would Mature, describe. Mature, professional, premier. Yeah, perfect. Hey, I still have a button down on right now. Very, <laughs> very mature. It's Iowa State button down, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talked about it before. I hate the Big 12 SEC Challenge in the middle of the year. Don't stop conference play in the middle of conference play to go play this Big 12 SEC Challenge. I'm, I'm fine with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Play it in the non-conference, just like the Big 10 ACC do. Anyway, we've talked about that before. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear my full rant. Um, so the Cyclones did go to Auburn to play that game, and... They got down big early. Auburn was shooting lights out from three early in that first half. Auburn averages eight three-pointers a game and hit nine just in the first half of that game. So, Plus, they were trying to play that game without Trey Jackson, right? It's Trey Jackson? Yeah, Trey Jackson was out, and they were using Caleb Grill Grill in his place. And Caleb Grill cannot seem to get the lid off the hoop at all this year. And I, I feel bad for him because he's getting a lot of great shots up. He just can't get anything to fall whatsoever. Um, so it, a lot of tough breaks for him, but having trade, not having Trey Jackson in uh, who has started to uh, get some uh, better minutes in as of late for the Cyclones kind of hurt us and put us a little bit behind in this game. Really, Really, Auburn held a double-digit lead for the entirety of this game until about four or five minutes left to go in regulation. And then the Cyclones kind of went on a little bit of a, of a uh, roll, but, and then they only lost by four in the end. A little bit of a, I don't know, a little bit of like a false score because they basically lost by six when they put in a last-second two-pointer um, to cut it to four. But, you know, a point... Two points are two points, so the final score is the final score. Yeah, and I mean, overall, especially for this Iowa State team, where we all know is struggling a little bit this year, only losing by four, six, whatever you want to call it, on the road to a top 16 team, that's a good performance. Like, certainly, I'm, you know, in college basketball especially, I'm not much for moral victories, but that's that's a decent performance without probably a seventh man, you'd call him, and... Trey Jackson, and on the road, top 16 team, sold-out environment, you'll, you'll take that performance. You'd like to see him win, but you'll take that performance. I'm not upset with it. 
Um, on the upcoming schedule, there's only one game this week on the upcoming schedule. And it, it is, is a big game. Yes. Wednesday night, 8 p.m., Baylor in Hilton Coliseum on ESPNU, which means, you know, we don't get it. I don't get it, at least. So I won't be able to watch it. But I'll listen to it on the radio because I'm old-fashioned and like the radio. Make fun of me, Kyle. I dare you. Well, um, or you could or you could just go to uh, – and watch some Reddit streams. Not that I'm supporting right. that. So, any. Yeah, so, we I could not. Listen, so I could listen to the radio, or I could break the law. I'm going to listen to the radio. Full disclosure, the 83 cast does not condone any use of any unauthorized streaming of any sporting events ever. So don't blame us if you get caught. Exactly. Don't get don't get they, caught with anything, and it's not our fault. That's, that's why we have a producer for things like that. Yeah, because anyway. I'm... Like a lawyer. Yeah. You're in you need to monitor the stuff. stuff that comes out of our mouths. <laughs> I think you guys need to monitor what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, moving on from the cycle. Did the uh, KUK State Brawl happen in the last week, or did that happen the week before? Have we talked about that already on this podcast? I don't think we've talked about it. I don't think we actually talked about it, but... It happened. Go watch the video. It was pretty insane. He picked up a stool. Don't pick up a stool in a basketball brawl. Things basketball players shouldn't do. Pick up a stool <laughs> during a fight. Although the entire barstool sports community loved it because he picked <laughs> up a stool. So now it is the logo for pretty much every single barstool thing, uh, except for right now a lot of Kobe stuff is out there. But he picked up a stool. People have started to make shirts about it. Shout out to Sam Schmitz for making a shirt. Yeah, pretty great. Go Shats. Um, (laughs) But from, I actually am going to throw a wrench in the 8311 cast outline. And I just want to uh, tell all of our uh, listeners about some Cyclone football stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. Why didn't you put this? Why didn't you put if this you on the outline? We have to talk about this. You should have put that on all, the outline, Kyle. If you all are living under a rock like Patrick uh, and have not heard so far, Iowa State did lose a player to the transfer portal, and that is Real Mitchell. So that is like actually sucked up and spit out somewhere else. It was, it's what? a portal. Did it, it's a portal. Did it like suck him up? Like he was in the middle of English 250 and it just sort of appeared over his head. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, he basically, he just said, bye, Felicia, and he's gone. So that's that's how it goes. But yeah. obviously, Real Mitchell didn't really see a, a future for himself as a starting quarterback at Iowa State, um, only being uh, one year younger uh, by redshirt uh, than Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy pretty much having... Uh, sole possession of the starting quarterback position for the Iowa State Cyclones. He chose to uh, hopefully land somewhere else where he gets a chance to see significant time on the field, uh, especially with Iowa State bringing in the in-state prospect Hunter Deckers uh, for the 2020 recruiting class who uh, led a lot of Iowa high school um, sports, like record, it set a lot of records, uh, playoff records, and in uh, regular season records in ice in Iowa high school football history out of West Sioux. Um, and he, we, Iowa state did also land another commitment, uh, yesterday from a wide receiver, 
from West Sioux as well. Uh, 6'1", uh, 200-pound wide receiver, three-star uh, prospect uh, from 24-7 who will be uh, much-needed help for that wide receiving core for Brock Purdy next year um, with a lot of the wide receivers that have now left um, due to being old and being seniors. So some some football news. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with any other major happenings that we foresee coming or that we see and it is our responsibility to then pass that on to you and let you all know so true that and you know what else we're gonna let you all know about the fact that the Chiefs? Super Bowl is next weekend well no we're just gonna let you know about the fact oh, that the Super Bowl is next weekend I don't care about this. shut up you don't get to talk the rest of this segment too bad privileges have just too been bad. bad you need my keys to the game no, I don't. I have my own keys to the game, and they're probably less biased than yours. Okay. Who got them? But I do actually have one really, really interesting stat that you would probably like to know, hear about. I do like stats. What do you got? So during the final nine weeks of the season, the 49ers surrendered an average of 25.8 points per game and held one opponent over that span to less than 10 points in a single game, that being Green Bay. Suck it, Josh. And over the final four weeks of the regular season, their opponents averaged 31.75 points per game. So this vaulted San Francisco 49ers defense has recently uh, been a little bit more exposed to uh, allowing more points in a game. So we'll see how they are able to shore up against the Chiefs' vaulted offense. I have another stat for you. Injuries. They're not the Niners are not injured anymore. They were during the end of the regular season. Anything they did in those last six weeks of the regular season, I just consider to be gobbledygook because their defense was so beat up and it is definitely not beat up anymore. That defense is the best defense in the NFL. So you'll have the best defense going against the healthiest offense in the NFL because the Chiefs also have zero injuries to report going into this game. Uh and Mitchell Mitchell Schwartz for the uh, the right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in the postseason he has only allowed two quarterback pressures out of uh, I believe it's a total of eighty nine uh, total snaps that he has played. So it'll the strength of the Kansas City offense are their tackles. So we can see how we'll see how they handle the freak of an athlete that is Nick Bosa for the San Francisco 49ers coming off the edge. And also the Chiefs get to play against D Ford, which I think is hilarious. There have been rumors that D Ford was the first person to r- arrive in Miami uh, so that he could be, you know, the first one off the line. Cause that's the only thing that held the chiefs out of the super bowl last year. So ha 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 ha. You liked that one. Anyway, my keys to the game for the um, Kansas City Chiefs, key to the game, you can't fall behind. You are not going to be able to fall behind double digits like you did um, to the Titans and the Texans if you're going to win this game. San Francisco's running game and defense is too good for you to fall behind that many points and come back. 
Kansas City cannot get punched in the mouth like they did the last two games. They got to come out and play from the start. Plus, it's just statistically unlikely that you come back from double digits to win three consecutive weeks, especially in the playoffs. So, unless you're the England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons, <clears throat> cough, cough, choke. You can, you can actually bet that uh, the 49ers will blow a 28 to three lead in this game. You can bet that in Vegas if you want. So if you're feeling particularly bold, Kyle, go ahead and I'm do that. I'm not feeling particularly bold. I also have no money to bet, so yeah, therein lies an issue. Yeah, it's hard to hard to bet without money. So anyway, um, and my key to the game for the uh, 49ers: keep Pat Mahomes in the pocket. Pat Mahomes destroyed the Tennessee Titans when he got out of the pocket, including that insane touchdown run. Keep him in the pocket. It's up to uh, Bosa, and I forget who that other D end is. But um, well, technically D Ford is their other defensive end, but um, Ford's more uh, of a linebacker. Eric or Armstead. Yeah. Armstead. He's he's a tackle. Yeah. It's up to them to keep. Mahomes in the pocket. Maybe you'll have to give up on a sack opportunity or two, but it would be worth it if you keep Pat Mahomes in the pocket. So they've just got to maybe not crash down quite as aggressively as they would under other circumstances um, and just keep him in the pocket so he can't make as many plays with his leg because DeForest Buckner will get plenty of push up the center that he's not going to be able to get out the center very often. So keep him, keep him in the pocket, keep him contained inside and you'll have some success. And if you're the Chiefs, go out there and don't get punched in the mouth so you're able to keep uh, keep the defensive line off balance with that pass rush and maybe hopefully neutralize some of that Niners run game, and you'll be okay. My, You want to hear my unbiased keys to the game? Sure. For the San Francisco 49ers, don't abandon the run. No matter what you do, don't, don't get away from your game plan. Run the ball. Kansas City's defense is clearly weakest against the run, and the Tennessee Titans abandoned their game plan and got away from running the football in the second half and uh, put the ball on uh, put the ball in the hands of Ryan Tannehill, who is uh, nothing against Ryan Tannehill, but he is not in the same league as Patrick Mahomes, uh, being able to take a game and put it on his shoulders, and that was seen. I have doubts about Jimmy Garoppolo's capability. Uh, full capability as a quarterback to completely take over a game. We saw it against the Saints, but the Saints defense wasn't phenomenal all year. But if you're San Francisco, keep the ball on the ground uh, and don't get away from the run game. If you're the Chiefs, put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Stuff uh, Raheem Mostert. Um, don't let Kyle Juszczyk run the ball at all. And keep keep the running backs in check. Put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Force him to throw the ball. Force him into bad mistakes, bad throws. You, If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you need turnovers in order to win this game. And that's – there you go. There's my unbiased uh, uh, keys to the game. How did those you were, think those were? Those were pretty unbiased. Proud of you. There you go. Uh, Why did you get any keys to the game that you would like to share besides those ones? Otherwise, yeah, lead us off. It's a five-pin. Uh, I was waiting for driver lock with the, it goes to a master lock with a steel hardened shackle on it. Where's uh, that kept? What? Where's that that lock kept? It is kept on my on my, on my desk. 
that's a weird gotten into lock picking over the past couple weeks. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. I think we're we're done. Well, I have you, no keys to the game. <laughs> you got to make your pick then. Who you got? Oh, my, and what's your my score? pick? That's, my pick that's the is the next thing on the agenda after keys. Oh, lovely. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs just out of sheer momentum and uh, score 32 to 28. That's a weird 28 score. Chiefs. That is a little bit of a weird score, but it's yep. possible. We're gonna we're gonna roll with it. Kyle. You know who I'm going with. The Titans. I am completely unbi or I am completely biased right here, I should say. And you know who I am going I think to I pick. I should mute Kyle right now. You know who I'm gonna pick in this game. Mute. No idea. I mean, he Kyle's just been muted. Um. <laughs> just got muted for that pick. Anyway, so we hear an actual unbiased pick. I am going to uh, pick. I actually can't unmute him. Can somebody get talk out over you? I'm going to completely talk over you because that is not fair. <laughs> Y'all are the worst. I'm going to. I'm going to stop this call. What's your pick, Kyle? Yeah, I can't even give it now because Mike's a... I can't say that word unless you bleep me out. (laughs) Oh, God. 42-38, Chiefs. My pick, although I will be rooting for the Chiefs, I mean, yeah, because San Francisco has won too much recently, especially in baseball. I will be rooting for the Chiefs. Um, my score prediction, though, is going to be 21-17 Niners. I think the Niners are going to win, though I will be rooting for the Chiefs. A low-scoring game. Yeah. I think so. I'm expecting it to be the high-scoring game that we saw between the 49ers and the Saints this season. Yeah, it could be, but I don't think so. Anyway, now that we've already had enough you know, contention in this episode, we're going to get to the actual part where there's going to be contention in this episode. Where you're finally the odd one out. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is going to be a edition of Mike's Stupid Rules, um, but a collaborative edition where we don't necessarily explain a rule, but just sort of talk about rules. Um, so this has just become Mike's Stupid segment? Sure. So if you didn't see uh, Major League Baseball... Uh, within the last week, has announced that electronic the excuse me the electronic strike zone, robot umpires can be called, et cetera, et cetera, is going to be um, tested. Well, they said used in spring training and some minor league games. They walked that back to just say tested, so the umpires will still be calling balls and strikes, um, but. Um, the electronic stri- strike zone will be used and tested and see how much it agrees with umpires, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that sparked some lively debate in uh, our group chat between me, uh, Wyatt, and Kyle. So I figured we'd extend that debate to here in our Stupid Rules segment. So I know you two are both against the electronic strike zone, and I am for the electronic strike zone. Can you two both summarize why you're against it, and then I'll say why I'm for it? I mean, it completely changes the, the dynamic of the game in, in a way that's not really beneficial for, for anybody. 
to be honest. Um, I don't see where the real benefit lies with having having a robot ump. So here's here's my point of view. I I have become super off put and irritated to how long reviews and uh, just reviews in general and how it can completely disrupt the flow of a game um, in both baseball and football. I believe that this will just lead to more uh, arguments and uh, that managers and players alike are going to be dissatisfied with how this system is run. I believe that if there are issues at the beginning of the season, how are they going to be able to fix them in the middle of the season? Like if it's not a hundred percent perfect at the beginning of the season, they can't just say, Oh, we're going to completely change how this strike zone is, is managed and tweak it a little bit because that, that messes with pitchers that miss messes with hitters and their strike zone, what they're looking for. Um, you can't, it would be like introducing brand new baseballs halfway through the season. Well, they do that anyway. <laughs> well, I know, I know or that just, happens. Or just for the postseason. Or exactly just for the postseason. But like, it would be like introducing a brand new baseball three, what, two, three, four times a year. I'm, I'm against it. I don't. I don't want to see it. I think it completely takes all the fun out of the game of baseball anymore because then you can't yell at an umpire. You have to yell at a robot that doesn't have feelings? I mean, yeah, there is there is certainly a part of it where you have nobody to blame, which is kind of difficult um, as a spectator, I suppose. But also, I feel like this solves an issue that wasn't ever really an issue. I mean, everybody complains about uh, balls and strikes, right? There's always going to be people complaining about that. But if you look at it, the amount of games that have been decided by real bad, real bad uh, calls have had done nothing to do with, with the strike zone, in, in my opinion. It doesn't matter as much as people are making it out to be. And I think this solves an issue that was never an issue to begin with, if you really and, break it down. And another, another thing that I have to add to that is if you are, if you are a good player you find a way to overcome a bad umpire or a bad strike zone for that game. If you're a good pitcher, you work around and you figure out what's being called and you adjust your game plan, you adjust your mentality to fit that. And if you're like, likewise, if you're a batter, you go up there and you know, after your first at bat, kind of what you need to look for and what you need to hit. Good players learn to adjust. And I think that's what separates uh, good players in this game from players who are just or who aren't as elite as those good players who can continue to make adjustments and mid-game and get better. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about any of the Astros because they have lost all of my respect for the game of baseball, but other players like Clayton Kershaw, uh, Madison Bumgarner when he was in his prime, Zach Granke, they have the ability, Justin Justin Verlander, bad example, but maybe when he was playing for the Tigers, Max Scherzer for the Nats, they all have the ability to make in-game adjustments and continue to play at a high level no matter what the circumstances are. Bad calls, good calls, lenient calls towards pitchers, lenient calls towards batters. And before we give the floor to Mike, I want to point out one more thing, which is the other half of the battery. 
I mean, nobody's talking about catchers and how this would affect the, the catching position. Because right now, it's it's a lot more technical position than what I think anybody gives catchers credit for. Um, they're taught to, you know, frame Framing the ball. Pitches. Yep, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of glove work that goes into trying to get the, the up to call the ball one way or another. And not only are, are bad calls going, like, uh, let's back it up real quick and, and just look at bad calls. It's a give and take game, right? So the umpire is going to make some calls that go against what you think should have been a strike and there's going to be other way other other places uh, other instances where it goes the other way where the umpire makes a call that you also don't agree with but benefits your team there, there's just not a huge issue here i don't think what are your reasons for electing to utilize an electronic strike zone mike well, i'm curious so, right so look at least kyle's big argument is players adjust to umpires being wrong so why just not be wrong Right? Why force players to adjust? Right? Just don't be wrong. Right? If you if you have a system that is actually better than umpires, right? The fact that players have to adjust to bad umpires is not a good reason not to do it. Right? Basic the the point. Right? It comes back to the point of officials, sort of when we talked about with that um, that Bills call. Right? It's to enforce the rules of the game. Right? So if you can have a way to enforce the rules of the game, the strike zone, better, right, than what you're doing it before, you should do it, right? It makes officiating better if you can do it like that, right? And so whether this system that the MLB has now is actually better than umpires, there's a lot of debate about that, and I'm not sure it is. I think it definitely needs more refining, and it also needs to get rid of the delay. Right now the system they use is really weird. It's like... The press box gets the data, and then the umpire has a phone and, like, AirPods, and then the somebody in the – yeah, some weird thing like that. The system, the way they're doing it, there's kinks that need to get worked out. But overall, it just comes down to why not be right more often than not, right? If you have a way to be right more often than you are now, why not do it? I well, One thing I do want to say real quick is that I don't, I don't want to debate the technical aspects of this. I understand there's going to be kinks and hiccups no matter if, whether or not we go with the system, right? Um, that's not the issue I have here. The issue I have is with the actual adopting adopting this system. I'm not going to argue on on whether or not there's going to be issues with bringing the system online. It's it's not that whatsoever. You had something to say, Kyle? So, I guess this is more like the technicalities of it. But are teams going to have to pay to implement this system, or is the MLB paying the price tag to implement it? Yeah. Doesn't this matter. Other- who the cares? other thing owners, is, ma- owners the, and Major League Baseball have more money that that's not an issue. The other, like the other thing of this is in like that I see as an issue. What happens if this entire system goes down? Is there still a home plate umpire to ump that game, or do they have to completely postpone the game? I mean, no, I, they they would they would fall back to a home plate umpire. There's no way. I mean, that's part of the working out the kinks of the system. Yeah. type thing that just needs to get done, right? I that's, have, yeah. that's, again, the technical details that I'm pres- – in my support of this, I'm presuming they have worked out the technical details and kinks and stuff, right? And I'm, I'm not in favor of implementing a flawed electronic strike zone system. Of course right? not. And obviously there will be little things even when it does get implemented, but things like that are the things that you'll have you'll have to have worked out before you do it. But really, I was on your side of this debate for a long time. I was like, why add more technology, blah, blah, blah. But there was just too many people, too many smart baseball people who have been covering the game of baseball a lot longer than I have, 
who have come out in favor of this that right it's just really hard for me to stay on the other side when so many of the baseball writers that I respect that I greatly respect have come out in favor of doing this right That's people so with fair. 40 50 plus years covering the game of baseball that are coming out in favor of this so one of the thing I do want to mention is uh, one of your big arguments Mike was why why play with incorrect calls right or, or something yeah. like that if if you if you i mean obviously there's some things that you can't you get right all the time but if you have a way to be better and not you know slow down the pace of the game you know there are other intrinsic factors but right if you can be right more often without otherwise greatly affecting the game why not do it that's fair my, my only concern there is that the return on investment is a lot lower than I think um, anybody believes it will be. I, I feel like MLB umpires are actually correct a large, large it's, majority it's, of the time. About ninety, they're correct on about ninety-seven to ninety-eight percent of ball and strike calls. The so is it really worth increasing it's, that to? It's probably not going to be one hundred percent even right, with the electronic strikes. Ninety-nine point five, we'll call like, it. The the closest thing I can compare this to is the medical device industry. Is like you have to prove that your device is significantly better than like the predicate in order to be able to gain approval for it to actually work. So can they prove that it is significantly better than umpires before probably, they Probably it's probably not, but I don't it, think they have to. But if so let's assume that right, that um the major league umpires will say ninety seven point five percent accuracy. This system will say ninety nine point five for argument's sake, right? So that's essentially over the course of 300 pitches in a game, right? That's six, right? We'll call it six pitches that you missed per, at least per game that are, you know, that are now not missed. Six or more pitches per game now that you're going to get right that you didn't get right before. I think that's worth it, right? Is, assuming it doesn't significantly slow down the game, right? What is the, what, what is the, what is the cost of implementing it, right, that you're referring to, Wyatt? So the improvement, if we say it's six pitches per game, what is what is the cost that would make it not worth it? You have the, the issue of spectators. Again, like this sounds really dumb, I know, but you don't have anybody to yell at. You can't yell at the ump for missed balls and strikes, which honestly I think is a bigger part of baseball than – like you, you'll realize you, you'll miss it once it's gone type of deal, which isn't a huge deal. Um, there's also the issue of – kind of I, I wouldn't go as far as to say having, but definitely diminishing the effect that um catchers do behind the plate. It's gonna make that position a lot less technical and probably easier uh for other players that aren't trained catchers to play in. Uh so there's a technical aspect there. There's um I can't really go into much else without delving into complaining about the technicalities of how the system's gonna work. So I have some issues there, but nothing I'm gonna argue on right now right but there's just a part of the game that kind of goes missing i think in my head and i don't think it's worth missing on that part of it out to gain a couple percentage points of efficiency which actually looks like it's going to be less or more than 95 percent currently it's like 99.1 percent accuracy the yeah the umpires are currently or the the umpires are currently I disagree with it being that good, according to according to the um, according guess, to the umpire auditor. The, 
the thing that I still question, the one thing that I need to see for sure is what what qualifies as a ball and what qualifies as a strike. Like, are they doing a fraction of the ball that's out off the plate? Is is the ball like touching the plate? Is that a strike or is it a yes? It's, it's, it's any point so touching it, the box. It, the, the definition of the strike zone yeah. will be defined properly, yeah. right? And so but, the interesting. And then, like, the, I, I also agree with Wyatt's comment. You have, you're going to significantly reduce the, like, level of, uh, the level of, I guess, the qual, like, what catchers need to be. Like, you look at Salvador Perez, you look at Yadier Molina, Buster Posey, they all make their money in being able to frame pitches. In, no, they don't. They make their money in being able to call games, not frame pitches. But they're great at framing pitches, too. I'm not saying they're not good at it, but they make their money from how they prepare it, pitches it for takes, games. It takes, that aspect, the it takes that aspect out of the game. And then I also agree with Wyatt. There, you, I feel like you'll lose fan engagement then. I, I think we that, should, yeah, should kind of take a quick pause and revisit this in a later episode. Um, yeah, mostly same. because we're running low on time. Do, yeah. do you have closing arguments? I was just going to say, according to the Bloomberg Business Week umpire auditor, which keeps track of balls and strike calls from umpires, even the best major league umpires last year were 93% of calls correct. Ah, that's, that's so, so that's Joe West, right? Uh, no, the best umpire actually, according to that, was Shane Livensparger. But he was looks like he only called like two games, three games behind the plate. Will Little was the best full-time umpire, 93% of the time, correct, according to that. So, And you can debate whether that information is accurate or not, but, but anyway, yeah, we should continue it yeah. as we get closer to maybe this being imported. See how it works in spring training, see what feedback we're getting, and maybe revisit it then, but you're right. In, my mind, in my mind, seeing is believing. If I can see it work to a high level, then I will give it a shot. Yeah, I'm open to going and making it work. That's what I, that's what I think. Open to seeing if it will work. Let's go ahead and uh, move on to our write that down prediction segment, which is the last segment of the episode. And I don't think we have anything to hold ourselves accountable for. Uh, we actually, in last, in last, I came up with this. Why you haven't been giving us uh, F1 updates recently? Oh yeah, has, because the season's over. <laughs> has, did Lando Norris have no. a podium finish this season? Okay, that is a nope. no. We do have one thing so to come up with. Lando Norris. That. Season's been over for a little while. My bad. Finish. Wyatt predicted Landon Norris would have a podium finish this year. According to Wyatt, he did not. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. nah. Nothing for Wyatt. That's our that's our entire accountability. We have a lot of next week's accountability session will be quite large because we have one, two. Three, and we are learning, and we are seeing why. We are seeing on this podcast how Mike can count numbers up to ten. ten. We have like ten Super Bowl Bowl related. Write that down predictions. So, ladies and gentlemen, claps, claps for Mike. He can count to ten. Very good. Very good. Let's go ahead and uh, put some more Super Bowl predictions up on the board, Kyle. I think you have one. Let's do it. Yeah, the Chiefs. 
will have at least two interceptions in the Super Bowl. At least. At least two interceptions. Like, will throw gonna, or will yeah. catch? Uh, the defense will get the two interceptions. Two interceptions. Okay. Um, I mean, um, I don't know how well they are at doing that. Uh, for the for the record, Tyron Matthew has dropped five interceptions so far this season. Oh. They're prone to dropped interceptions. So we're going like triple territory here. I'm pulling up Kansas City's defensive stats here. Yeah, I was hoping you'd do that. See how many interceptions they have on the year. Team stats and rankings, game results. Um, on the year, the Chiefs have 2, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. They have 22 turnovers total on the year. So they're averaging less than two turnovers a year. Um, a year? A game, I think is what he meant to say. Yeah, sorry. Less than two turnovers. Turnover, that's just turnovers, not necessarily interceptions. So let's see if I can find a better breakdown for interceptions. If you can, I'm still going to hang out in the triple area for now. Just Can't cause. find anything more on specifically interceptions, I don't think, unless I can. Kyle, do you think you'd be getting shafted if I said a triple? I don't think I would be. I think okay. triple is reasonable, yeah. All we'll right. go with a triple. <laughs> I wasn't expecting me. a home run out of that because it's... It, it's more possible, it's possible than saying they will have four interceptions. That's what I'm saying. All right, Mike, what do you got? Um, I predict that the San Francisco 49ers, as a team, will have 200 or more yards rushing against the Chiefs. I would hope so. Wasn't that one of your keys to the game? That was one of Kyle's keys to the game. Um, that was my key to the game for San Francisco. Uh, what do they normally average per game because i feel like this is kind of a double isn't it i don't know kyle's gonna do some typing for us so i really appreciate it chiefs defensive stats through the season um total rushing yards a game they're giving up 179 yards per game on the ground that's an average of 4.1 yards per rush. Um, um, and so it's, right. it, it's a, not far off of their season average. So, like, double. That's kind of what I was thinking. The 49ers are averaging... Um, I can't find it. So only list the playoffs. Why is he only listing the playoffs here, stupid NFL.com? You're stupid. All right, I'll take the double. You okay. Don't go to NFL.com for stats. You could have just clicked efforts. on regular season stats. It's not clickable. I'm yes, trying to it click is. On it. It's not, click- not clickable on mine. I'm clicking on it very hard. Is that what you're doing? So, I am going to write down that the Super Bowl will be decided by four or fewer points. Um, the line is one, right? Yep. I yep. one. It is one. Chiefs. But is it actually going to be? Probably not. Double? 
Um, I'm fine with a double. Wyatt, are you going to protest that? Definitely not. Okay, cool. Do we have we'll from... give you a double. All right. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Dude, he is still alive. I Probably. actually forgot to message him before the episode, so literally messaged him as we were starting our predictions, and he got back to me. So, yay, Josh. Thank you for picking me up for being bad. Um, he predicts that Alan Lazard will be on the Packers roster at the start of next year. I mean, he's a, he's a free, why he's wouldn't a free he? Agent. He's oh, a free he? agent, yeah, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I feel like he has a... That's a toss-up. Likelihood. Let me let me double let me double check that. You double check that. If you are correct, I would agree with the double. I think he is an E R F A something restricted free agent. I don't know what that means. I know what a restricted free agent means, but not an E R F A. Enticing restricted free agent. What does E R F A mean? Free restricted free agent. Whoever signs him gets him for free. Exclusive rights free agent. Teams only need to oh. offer them a minimum term one-year contract, and they are under contract to the team. Okay. All so right. if the Packers want him, he will be on the Packers, and no other team can go sign him because he is a not – so a restricted free agent would mean that other teams could sign him, but it would cost draft picks, et cetera, in – Exclusive restricted free agent means if the Packers offer him at least X deal, he has to take it. He has no choice. Cool. All right. So are we going to give him a double for that? I would probably... Yep. A triple? No, a certainly not a triple. I was between a single and a double. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling kind of generous, but it's up to you. Double! All right. We screwed him All last double, week, double. so yes, double. All right, cool. So we got a double, 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 and a triple up on the board this week. Kind of like a triple, double. Wait, that it is a triple, double, and a triple, right? We have three doubles and a triple. Yeah, triple. We got double, a triple, double, and a triple. Is it like uh, Draymond Green's triple singles that he's playing? Yeah, triple singles. Get him. Get him, Charles Barkley. So, uh, yeah, that's our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode, which also means that we're at the end of the episode. I just repeated myself, but if you don't think about it, it didn't happen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the 311 Cast, episode 66. Uh, make sure you drop us a line, DM us, slide in those DMs at 8311Cast on Instagram. Drop us a line at 8311Cast.fireside.fm slash contact. As long as you're not another Russian bot, I got another, uh, or it was like a cancer medication something through the form in Cyrillic. So as long as you're not a Russian bot, feel free to drop us a line. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, signing off, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you again next week. Like I already said four times, go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones and go Chiefs! <laughs>